So firstly, from Isaiah chapter 52, verses 13 to 15. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness, so he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see and what they have not heard, they will understand. And in Colossians chapter 1, from verse 24. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Thanks, John. Good morning, everyone. My name's Mark. If we haven't met, I'm one of the the pastors here at Trinity Church Modbury. It's great to be with you this morning as we continue our time in the book of Colossians together. Um, When when I was little, I used to to earn a couple of bucks here and there, washing the car. I'd find some coins on the ground every now and then. and, And eventually, I'd saved up about $44. And on what would have been probably my seventh seventh birthday, maybe, um, my grandma asked if she could see my money collection. So I proudly brought out all these silver and gold coins that amounted to about $44 and put it into her hands. And she, she gave it to me. She, she took it away from me and she said, okay, well, how about, how about I swap it for one of these and handed me a $50 note. Uh, now, I look back now and I think $6 is a pretty cheap birthday gift. That's, that's how you become the second favorite grandma pretty, pretty easily. But... Um, but at the time, I was, I was blown away. I didn't even know $50 notes existed at that stage. I, I was rich beyond my wildest dreams at that moment. Uh, and for the Apostle Paul, who was imprisoned in Rome, writing to the, the Colossian church, most of whom he's, he's never met, um, he wants them to know how rich 
they are. He wants them to know that in Jesus, they have all the fullness and all the richness that they could ever want or need. That's what ministry is all about for Paul. It's showing people how rich they are in Jesus. Uh, So in the passage we've just read, we're going to be looking at three things. We're going to be looking at Paul's commission, Paul's purpose, and Paul's ministry. All of which is going to help us to see, as Stevie and little John showed us just, just before, how rich we are in Jesus. And, and we're going to start with Paul's commission. Now, Paul had a very unique role in human history. And, and we see this in the book of Acts when Paul first becomes a Christian. Jesus himself describes this unique ministry that Paul is going to have. This man, Paul, is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So Jesus is sending Paul to tell the Gentiles all about him. Now, a Gentile is someone who isn't an Israelite. It's, it's someone from any of the other nations. And that's why Paul calls himself an apostle right at the start of the book of Colossians. I mean, he wasn't one of the, the 12 disciples who, who followed Jesus around, but he was someone who's been personally sent by Jesus. Uh, he's been sent to proclaim Jesus to the nations who don't yet know him. And as part of that calling, Paul is going to suffer. And we, and we read a fair bit about that in the book of Acts. And this is the background that helps us to understand verses 24 to 27 particularly of Colossians chapter 1. Paul, Paul begins by saying, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, now when we first read that, Paul seems to be saying that, that his suffering achieves something that Jesus' suffering didn't, which is, which is unusual. Does he mean that, that Jesus' death wasn't enough to save us? Does, it, does he mean that Jesus almost suffered enough for us, but Paul had to just add a little bit of his own suffering and to pick up the rest of the tab? Well, no, Jesus, by dying for us, has paid it all. Paul, and Paul is explicit about that, not just in the book of Colossians, as we saw last week, but, but all of his letters. He's really clear that Jesus' death is what we need to be saved. Um, Jesus' death is the only thing that can reconcile us to God. There's, there's nothing that Paul or, or anyone else can add to it. But for his death to be of value, we need to hear about it. We need to hear about it. The message needs to go out. People of all nations need to hear what Jesus has done. And that's where Paul comes into it. He says, I have become its servant, so the, the servant of the church, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. So Paul is a servant of the church. His job is to proclaim the word of God and, and specifically to reveal something to the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. And this mystery, Paul says, is Christ. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, It's at this point, in, in all human history, it's at this point that God had planned all along to reveal himself to people 
through Jesus. The fullness of God in one man. The, the, the one who would bring peace between God and humanity through his own blood. And God isn't just revealing this to, to Jewish people. He's not, he's not just revealing this to the, the people that have been worshipping him over the years. This is, this is for all people everywhere, for all nations. This was always God's plan. Uh, and we saw it in our short reading from Isaiah that John gave us in, in the Old Testament, which was written about 700 years before Jesus came along. Um, Isaiah, in that passage, he, he talks about a servant of God whose appearance is going to be disfigured. This is, this is Jesus on the cross. Uh, this, this perfect servant is going, to, is going to suffer for all people. This is Jesus, and he'll, he'll be proclaimed to kings and to nations. And what they were told, what they, sorry, what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. So we see here that God's plan all along was for Jesus, this perfect servant, to suffer for all people. And then for Paul, who is a, a servant of Jesus, a servant of the church, a servant of the gospel message, for Paul to suffer so that Jesus is made known to all people. Can you see the unique ministry that, that Paul has here in all of human history? He was God's chosen instrument for the message of Jesus to go out to the nations so that people could believe in Jesus and so that they could be reconciled to God. And so the gospel has come to us through Paul. We, we come to God through Jesus' suffering alone. Um, but it's Paul's suffering that was the gracious means of proclaiming Jesus to us. Um, I think it's easy to read a passage like this and just think, okay, we have to be more like Paul. We have to, we have to be better at preaching the gospel. We have to be more like Paul. Um, but first and foremost, this passage is showing us God's graciousness in raising up Paul so that the message of Jesus could, could come down the generations to us. And what it also means is that Paul's message, it comes with the full authority of Jesus behind it. Um, there's no place for being someone who, who loves Jesus and follows Jesus, but, but ignores what Paul says in his letters. Um, to ignore Paul is to ignore Jesus. Uh, so there you go. Paul's commission is a unique one, but his purpose in proclaiming Christ is one that we can all share in. Uh, Paul says, he, so Christ, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Paul's desire for everyone is the same, whether he's met them or not. He wants them to be mature in Christ. He wants them to be complete in Christ. That's what he wants for everyone. Everything that he does is with this goal in mind. Uh, he wants people who don't yet know Jesus to, to know him, and he wants people who know Jesus to stand firm in him, to be deeply rooted in him. His single-minded goal is that everyone one day will appear before God, mature in Christ. And that's a worthy desire for us to have as well in our lives today, for, for everyone we know to be fully mature in Christ. And when you think about it, that's a, that's a big goal to have, right? That is an immeasurably wide goal, and it's an immeasurably deep goal as well. We want every, every person everywhere to be fully mature 
in Christ. Our church has planted three churches over the last six years, which is, which is massive. It's been a, been a costly effort from everyone involved, and it was so good to, to meet together the other week in our combined service and be able, to, be able to see so many people that used to come to this church. But we haven't made it as a church yet. We're not done yet. It, it would be tempting, tempting to think, oh, we've planted three churches, we, we've done everything, but, but there's still so much to do. We want more and more people to know and to love Jesus. It's why we're, we're doing our big question series at the moment that, um, pe- that Stephen talked about a moment ago, encouraging one another to, to ask our friends what would make God worth believing in and, and praying for those conversations, sharing in our community groups about how those conversations have gone or, or who we'd love to, to ask that question to. It's why we run our life series and our, our Christianity Explored series. Uh, it's why we partner with organisations like AFES on our university campuses, hearing last week about Jesus Week and everything that was going on there. Uh, it's why we partner with Maggie Cruz in, in Cambodia with CMS. It's because we want more and more people to know Jesus and to grow in Jesus and to stand firm in Jesus. I hope this is your desire for everyone, whether it's friends, family members, neighbours, people you walk past at the supermarkets, that one day they would stand before God, mature in Christ, holy in God's sight, reconciled to God through believing in Jesus. There's nothing better that we could want for someone than that. Uh, it's, a, it's an overwhelming task. I know that uh, just as I think about having those conversations with people, let alone the other 8 billion people in the world, it's, it's overwhelming to think about. It's, it's one that Paul had to work really, really hard at. But he worked with the energy that Christ gave him. To this end, Paul says, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul knew that there was no good. It was no good trying to take the gospel to the Gentiles in his own strength, by his own wisdom. And there's no point us trying to, to reach people or to grow people in our own strength. We, we strive for everyone's maturity and we depend on Jesus every step of the way as we do that. And so Paul has explained the uniqueness of his commission from, from Jesus to proclaim the gospel to the nations, to be the, to be the trailblazer for taking the gospel out. Uh, he's described his, his big picture purpose that he has of seeing everyone fully mature in Christ. And finally, he, he narrows his focus to, to how this plays out in his ministry to the Colossians. Uh, so in verse 29, he, he's told them, I'm, I'm strenuously contending for all people. Uh, and then in chapter 2, verse 1, he, he gets more personal. He says, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those that Laodicea and for, and for all who have not met me personally. Uh, so I take it when, when Paul is talking about contending for them and, and, and working hard for them, he, he's talking about both his ongoing prayers for them, but also his ongoing proclamation of the gospel message, which the Colossian church have benefited greatly from, but, and which Paul has suffered for as well. The question is, why does he want them to know this? Like, why, why is Paul so keen for them to know this? And the answer is that Paul's suffering, as we've seen, is, 
tied up with God's plans and purposes for the gospel message to be heard and believed. Paul's goal isn't that all these churches admire how, how selfless and how brave and how long-suffering he is. Um, no, Paul says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart, so each individual person encouraged in heart, and united in love as a whole community, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So Paul wants them to know how rich they are in Jesus. He wants them to see that in Jesus they have it all. There is nothing they're lacking. And that's been his calling all along, to make known to the nations the glorious riches in Jesus. Now, you hear on the news occasionally that um, someone's won the lotto, but they haven't come forward to, to claim it. Um, imagine that, like winning $20 million or whatever in the lottery and then either losing your ticket or forgetting to, to check the numbers on your ticket. Or imagine winning that much in the lotto, but, but thinking to yourself, oh, I can't be bothered cashing that in. The, the news agent's a 10-minute drive away. It's, it's raining. They'll probably make me fill out paperwork as well. I, I can't be bothered doing that. No one, no one would do that because you know how rich you've become in that moment. And so do you know how rich you are in Jesus? Or if you're here, here this morning just, just checking out what church is all about and, and, and who Jesus is, do, do you know how rich you could be? In Jesus, Have you ever thought about the Christian life in terms of richness? Now, I'm not talking about financial richness here. I don't want you to have pictures of some televangelist in your, in your head here. I'm, I'm talking about being eternally and spiritually rich in Jesus. Um, see, people have always longed and searched for, for meaning and for hope in life across all generations. The, what am I here for? What's life all about? What happens after I die? Where do I turn to and what do I cling to when, when life falls apart in one way or another? Those are the sort of questions that people have always asked. And the message of the Bible is that those questions are answered in Jesus. Our meaning and our hope is found in Jesus. The God who, who created everything in the universe, including us, has revealed himself in, in all of his beauty and all of his goodness in Jesus. And he's got an unstoppable plan to restore this broken world and, and to make everything, everything right again. And through Jesus, he enables us to, to come into relationship with him and to be part of this unstoppable plan. This is the story that, that runs right at the center of all of human history. That in Jesus, we have a rich treasure, not, not just of understanding God's plans and purposes for humanity, but, but being part of them, being, being at the center of them. And in Jesus, we have a friend who knows the worst things about us, the very worst things, the, the things that would make any other person turn away from us in disgust. But instead of turning away from me, Jesus turns towards me. He lays down his perfect life to save my broken, sinful, and anything but perfect life. Uh, so that when I stand before God on that last day, it, it's, not, 
It's not a list of my good and bad deeds that God weighs up to work out if I'm good enough for him. But rather, it's Jesus' perfect record. See, whatever each day and and whatever each season of life brings, we can trust that Jesus has redeemed us by his death. He's defeated death by his resurrection. And when he returns, everything will be made right again. Nothing, nothing can take that away from us. In him, we are truly rich. We, we have it all. Doesn't, no matter what is going on in life, we, we have these sure promises that we can cling to. Uh, Paul says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Now, perhaps there were people in Colossae who had a different message to Paul, a different message to Paul's gospel. And perhaps they were more impressive people than Paul as well. Maybe they, they weren't suffering like Paul was. They weren't in prison like Paul was. Paul wants the Colossians to know that his message is the true gospel. It's the true message of Christ. His sufferings and, and his imprisonment, they're part of God's perfect plan to make Christ known. They're not a, a failure in God's plan. They're right at the center of it to reconcile people to himself. And he wants them to be convinced that what they have in Christ is far richer than anything else the world can offer. He's, he's saying to them, you've got it all in Jesus. You don't need anything else. I've had the, the pain of watching people who I know and love who have, who have walked away from Jesus. And in most of those cases, I, I don't think they suddenly stopped believing in Jesus. I don't, I don't think they woke up one morning and decided they didn't believe in him. I think what happened is that they, they slowly started believing that their life would be richer without him, without knowing Jesus. Uh, a few years ago, I heard a, a talk from a guy called Ed Shaw. He's a, a church minister over in the, the UK. He's, he's same-sex attracted, and, and, and he was talking to us about um, how the church can lovingly, and underscore that word, lovingly, engage with, with people in the LGBTQI community with, with the gospel message. Now, now, obviously, we're talking here about a community for whom uh, there would be reason, great reason to think that, that life would be richer without Jesus, without the Bible's teaching on sexuality. Following Jesus is, is going to cost something. Uh, so as part of that talk, he showed us a music video that was, that was in the charts at that time. It was a, a song called Same Love by Macklemore, if that, if that means anything to you. Um, and the video, the music video that, that went with that song, um, uh, don't take me the wrong way when I say this, but, but it presents a very, a very compelling and, and very compassionate, beautiful picture of a same-sex relationship between two men. And, and he said to us, look, this, this is the message that the world is giving us. It's, it's presenting the, the same-sex lifestyle as a beautiful story to be part of. And more to the point, it's, it's presenting life without Jesus as a beautiful story to be part of. And so he said to us, look, the way to reach this community for Jesus, and, and I take it, you could, you could apply this to, to anyone regardless of, of life circumstances. Um, the best way to reach p- these people for Jesus, it's not to judge and condemn them for their lifestyle or their choices. It's, rather, it's, it's to show them that Jesus offers us an even better story to be part of. We have a richness in Jesus that 
nothing else in the world can give us and nothing else in the world can take away. Uh, We're reconciled to God. We're loved more than we could ever imagine. We're included in God's awesome plan to restore his creation. And we can look forward to a day when everything is going to be made right again. For though I'm absent from you in the body, Paul says, I'm present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Now, I think often when we, when we tell someone we're, we're with them in spirit, what it means is I can't come to your event because I've got a better event on that I'd rather be at. It's just a polite way of, of saying it. Um, it's not what Paul means here. He, he's saying, look, we may be miles away. There may, there may be oceans and prison guards and prison bars and whatever else between us. Um, but we are united by God's spirit who dwells within us. And we're united in the gospel message which saves us. We're, we're physically far apart, but we are spiritually inseparable. And so Paul's delight is tied up in their faith. Paul has described to the Colossians and to us his commission, his purpose, and his ministry. And in doing so, he's given us a blueprint for gospel ministry by God's strength and, and out of a deep conviction of the riches that we have in Christ, we are to, to strenuously proclaim the message of Jesus as it's been revealed to us in God's word so that people know this richness for themselves, so that they stand firm in Jesus and, and so that on that last day, they're presented mature in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank and praise you for your grace to us in the suffering of your son Jesus who, who died to reconcile us to you and for the ministry of your servant Paul who suffered to proclaim Christ to the nations. And We pray that you would fill each one of us with a deep, growing knowledge of the richness that we have in Jesus and that you'd equip us to proclaim Christ to everyone uh, so that everyone can know him everyone can stand firm in him and that everyone can be presented fully mature in him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.